Well, everybody, we're closing out our Gravitate series today. And next week, we're getting into a two-week series, a very, very important series. I want to ask you guys to to get here, to not come alone. Um, It's going to be very, very special. And um, you'll have to wait and see until next week. Um, It's a surprise, and I know you're going to love it, okay? That's all I'm going to say. You're going to love it. Today, let's close out uh, our Gravitate series. And here's the idea behind the Gravitate series is simply this, is that all of our lives are moving in a certain direction at any given point, right? Your life is never stagnant. It's never stale. You're moving towards something. Come on, look at me, everybody. Your life is moving towards something right now. You're being pulled towards something right now. And I can tell you what it is your life is moving toward. It's whatever you make the biggest deal of in your life. That's what your life will gravitate toward. What happens is your life tries to find itself in orbit um, around the things you're gravitating toward. And so if you make a big deal of money, you will gravitate toward money. You will make decisions based on money. If you gravitate toward popularity, you gravitate toward popularity. You make decisions based on popularity. You don't ask, is it, is it right or, or is it healthy for my family? You ask yourself, will it make me more popular? Will it make me more money? You see what I'm saying? Your life gravitates. The problem is this, that we often allow our lives to gravitate toward things that our lives are never intended to gravitate toward. And those things can never actually hold our life in orbit. And so you actually find that your life is frustrated and, and, and confused and, and weary. And it's just not working like things are out of order. It's because things are out of order. Because in order for your life to be in order, you have to put things in order. And Jesus has to be the center. God has to be the center. You are created to gravitate Godward. You need a, and in order to do that, you need to make a big deal out of God in your life. You'll gravitate toward whatever you make the biggest deal of. So here's how scripture says it to us. It doesn't happen on accident. You don't gravitate Godward on accident. You, you have to do what scripture tells us to do. And here's what scripture tells us to do. It says, train yourself to be godly. I've been making you say it every week. If you remember anything from this series, it is train yourself. Say it with me. One, two, three. Train yourself. What do you got to do, church? Good. You're learning. See? We're getting out of this with something. It doesn't just happen on accident. I got to m- train myself to move toward godliness. And training is when you put some disciplines in your life that move you in a given direction. And so we've been looking at these disciplines we need to put in our lives to gravitate Godward. We talked about getting into God's word. We talked about the importance of prayer and, and, and distancing ourselves from the crazy world around us. Last week we talked about the importance of, of being good stewards, right? Hey, you don't own it. God's. So it's not, what do I want? God, what do you want? And we build that discipline. In our, all those things get us moving Godward. Here's the last discipline I want to I give you. It's, it's the discipline of, and it's all over scripture, and I can't wait to talk about it. It's something I'm passionate about. It's a discipline of evangelism, okay? The discipline of evangelism. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, if our world and our nation needs anything right now, it's for the church, the sleeping giant of who we are as the church, to wake up and do what God's called us to do and evangelize the world around us. Can I get a better amen? Some of you, I don't know what that word means, Pastor Chris. I just showed up to church. I'm hearing this big old word called evangelism. Well, let me break it down for you. Mark. Chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is ascending to heaven, and he's given his disciples marching orders. Like, here's what I want you to do between now and the day I see you again. And it wasn't just hang out and have a lot of potlucks. 
It wasn't just keep yourself safe, don't rock the boat, don't get into trouble. Like, that's not what he said. Here's what he said. Go. Someone say go. Now, what does go mean? It means get up from where you are and move to where you need to be. There's going to be a movement in your life, right? So go where? Into all the world. In the Greek there, literally what he's saying is the world is the God-rejecting sea of humanity. Get up from where you are and move into the God-rejecting sea of humanity. Oh, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm not supposed to get around all those people. See, like church people, they got like, oh, oh, there's those people. There's church people, non-church people. I don't want to hang out with non-church people because, ooh, right? Well, God's saying, Jesus says, no, 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 that's where you, you get up and you go there, right? Go into all the world, and I want you to do something when you get there. What does he say? Preach, preach the gospel. Evangelize the gospel to all creation. The, it's really important you understand where this um, term comes from, where this thinking comes from in, in, in Scripture. See, the English word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelon. It's where we get our English word evangelical. It literally means, okay, it means gospel is good news. I mean, how many, how many people need some good news, right? How, how many believe the world needs some good news right now, okay? Can I tell you there is no better news than the good news? The gospel. And what Jesus says is you and I are to preach, to herald, to proclaim the gospel. We're, we're, we're in the business of, of doing that. Long before gospel was a Christian word, you need to understand the history of it. It was actually, before it was a Christian word used by Jesus or Paul or the church, it was actually a Roman word that was used by Caesar. See, whenever a new Caesar would come into power, he would give out, uh, he would send out messengers all over the Roman Empire. And those messengers were to go out and to proclaim the gospel. They were literally told to do that. It's the same wording used. So a new king would come into power, a new Caesar, and he'd say, here's the first order of business, is we need to get you all over the kingdom, and you need to preach the gospel. And what was it? Well, the gospel was, hey, everybody, they would walk into the center of town, these, these, these gospel evangelists. I mean, this is how it would happen. They'd walk into the center of town, people would go, oh, here comes the evangelists, here comes the gospel. What do they have? What's the good news? And they'd walk into the center of town, and they'd go, ladies and gentlemen, I am here to announce and proclaim to you today, to preach to you today, that there is a new king that is now over the territory. Caesar Augustus is now king. Tiberius is now king. Or whoever it was. And they would proclaim the good news. There's a new king in town. And it would then be responded to with a big party. Okay, And it would be occasion, depending on if it's a good king or a bad king, for a, for a celebration. It was time to throw a party and to celebrate and honor the new king as they would come under this king's rule and reign and authority and experience and protection and salvation of that, of that new king. So now, put yourself in the context of our disciples here, Jesus' disciples here. All they know is that when you say preach the gospel, is that you're going to declare that there's a new king, right? That's how they've, they've, they, they know this word. 
They're used to the preaching of the gospel. And now Jesus is ascending to heaven, and he says, go and preach, go and proclaim the good news. And, and put yourself in the shoes, because they're going like, okay, hold up, hold up. We're living in a time under Rome where they've already got an established king, and now you are telling us to go and proclaim to all these people who are already bowing their knee to a king to tell them that they're not actually bowing their knee to the right king. There's actually a new king. Jesus, do you really want us to go and, and preach the fact that there is a that you, Jesus, are our king? And Jesus goes, that's your marching orders. That's what they were called to do, everybody. Now, that's us today, isn't it? Jesus gives us the Great Commission. That Great Commission echoes down through time and eternity, goes to you and I, and we find ourselves in this place where we, too, are commissioned with the same mission to go into a world that finds itself bowing its knee to all sorts of other gods, to all sorts of other kings, bowing their knee to king money, bowing their knee to king possession, bowing their knee to king political party, bowing their knee to king, you know, whatever it is, fear, to king fill in the blank, to king vocation, to king, right? And here's this world bowing their knee to an already established in their heart king. And you and I are called to now go proclaim the true gospel, which is those things are not actually king. Hey, you got the wrong king. You're bowing your knee to the wrong king. You see, because Jesus is king. Because God is the one who's sitting on the throne. Not, not and, and should be sitting, it's not, not a political party. Why is someone so bent out of shape? It's because you got the wrong party. <laughs> you got the wrong king. And now we, church, are called to go on this mission. We're given charge of, of preaching this gospel, proclaiming it. Can I tell you, friends, that the world needs some good news? <laughs> the world needs hope, and our hope is not in a stronger economy. I mean, it would be nice if gas wasn't costing so much right now. I mean, come on, somebody, right? It'd be nice if house prices weren't going through the roof right now. It'd be nice if, it'd be, but can I tell you, even if we fix all those things and we button up everything, like we still have a massive issue, <laughs> Right? The hope of the world is not a, not a better economy or, 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 or better politics or, or a better agenda. or a be, like the, the hope of the world is Jesus. Can I get a better amen? When we finally as a people submit to him as king of kings and Lord of lords. He's the name above all names. His name is Jesus. Amen? And that, can, come on everybody, like golf clap. We're excited about like. And so, do you understand that, that we are so countercultural? Everyone's over here bowing to this thing. And you're like, oh, hey, get up. <laughs> it's not worthy of your praise. And the reason you're actually so messed up is because you're actually gravitating toward, you, you're, your life is trying to revolve around something you're not meant to revolve. You're gravitating in the direction. It, it's actually Jesus that's meant to be there. And we're supposed to awaken people to the good news that there actually is a king that is worthy no other king is worthy. No other small K king could fill the place of, of the capital K King Jesus, okay? And so I believe that God 
all over Scripture, well, as you see it, 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 it's just true that all over Scripture, evangelism is, is front and center in, in, in Scripture. And the hope of the world is met through, is, is dished out through you and I preaching this, this gospel. Like, how are they ever going to experience hope until they hear about hope, right? Until they're, let, let's let scripture say it because I'm, I'm stepping all over it. Here, here's, here's what it says in scripture. Watch, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they going to call on King Jesus? How are they ever going to understand that Jesus is actually king and not these other things are king? Unless, uh, how are they going to call on him who they not believe? And how are they going to believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without someone, what, preaching? Like, how are they ever going to believe in Jesus and submit their lives to the true king if they're not actually hearing from you and I that Jesus is king? You see, you play a massive role in the preaching of the gospel. And some of you are thinking, well, good, because that's uh, a good thing we got pastors and good thing we have church staff, because somebody's got to tell them about Jesus, right? Like, somebody's got to, if, if, if Jesus is the hope of the world, well, and, and we need to be telling people about Jesus in order for them to experience hope, well, good thing we got pastors. But, friends, it's not that easy. Scripture says, you are to do the work of an evangelist. You see, you're supposed to mark, you're supposed to march into your workplace. Go ahead, but I got an announcement to make. Jesus is king. I'm like, what, what, you heard me, and don't get, don't say it all weird like that, I'm, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you how to get there, but it's, but it is your mandate, it is what God's called us to do, 2 Timothy 4 and 5 say this, it says, uh, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation, man, if you walk out of here with anything, just let the scripture guide your week this week, right? Keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. They might not like me and my boss might and I might, I don't know what people are going to. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. He's not just talking to Pastor Chris or the staff or pastors at other churches. You and you and you. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given who? You. So you got a ministry. It's not, you don't, you don't get to. Push this off on anyone else. You're, you've got to discipline yourself. Work toward bringing others toward to, to Christ. Uh, Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. This, the discipline of evangel evangelism is front and center all over the New Testament. Okay, Think about Jesus and what he was doing here on earth. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. He went after lost. He went after hurting, okay? He calls his disciples, think about this, right? He calls his disciples, he says, follow me and I will, what did he say? Make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me and we're going to have a whole lot of potlucks. Follow me and we're going to sit in Starbucks and talk deep theological things. Follow me and we're going to get, some, right? No, he said, follow me and we're going to do something very, very practical. We're going to be fishers of men. So he called them into cause, Right? Does that make sense? He called them into mission. We're going to make, make fishers of men. So Jesus calls his disciples into mission, and then Jesus goes on discipling his disciples. You ever ask yourself the question, what did Jesus disciple his disciples to do? 
Jesus discipled his disciples to proclaim the gospel, to reach the world, to be fishers of men. Everything he did was in the context of evangelism. That's what he was teaching them. And when he, when he then left earth, he said, now he, he now sent them into the thing he'd been teaching them to do and the thing that he called them to do. So he called them, he taught them, and he sent them into evangelism. Think about when Jesus was, was teaching his disciples to evangelize. How do you do it? We well, put them in really uncomfortable situations. And he said, and he, he taught them how to love on people that they wouldn't typically love on. Remember Jesus took his disciples to Samaria, and the disciples were like, Jesus, we don't go to Samaria. Like, it's not our town, you know what I mean? Like, you get your, you get your uh, rims taken off your car in Samaria, you know, you want to stay away. And Jesus like, well, I know the Jews don't typically go to Samaria, but you're going to go there today, Right? And what happened when they went to Samaria? Jesus, he said, he went to this woman that was at the well. And that woman at the well ended up realizing who she was in the presence of. And that woman at the well then ran and evangelized her city. Do you know this? Remember this? And then the city came down to meet the one that had changed her life. And revival broke out in the city. And here's the disciples watching all this happen going, okay, so Jesus put himself in a situation that was a little outside of our comfort zone, and he shared truth and love and was gracious, okay? I saw that happen, and now we got a whole revival breaking out in Samaria because Jesus was willing to go to Samaria. And friends, I'm telling you right now, you and I need to be willing to go to Samaria. Samaria of your work. Samaria of your neighborhood. Samaria of your kid's school, Samaria of the soccer team, Samaria of, and what you do is you do what Jesus did, is you bring the water of life to those who are thirsty like that woman. Come on, this is good preaching. Like that woman, you bring the water of life to those who are thirsty. And you got to get, get pushed outside of your comfort zone, just like Jesus was doing with his disciples. Can I get a better amen? amen. So I believe... With all my heart, that God wants to bring revival to our nation. I believe we're going to see it. I believe with all my heart that God wants to bring revival to California. California? To California. And I believe He wants to start anywhere with, where people would be willing. Say, God, send me. God, I'm willing. God, use me. Guys, it's not rocket science. You have a thirsty world and you have the water of life. You have a hungry world, a hungry neighbor, a hungry co-worker, a hunger, and you have the bread of life, okay? This, it's, you have a, a diseased and dying of sin world and you have the forgiver of sin, the healer of, of disease, right? And what we need to figure out is how do I feed the bread to the hungry people? How do I bring the water to the thirsty people? How do I bring, come on, it's not rocket science. It's been put in our hand. And so now we need to learn how to get that bread to those people. And it happens through evangelism, right? Going to Samaria. And proclaiming the good news. Maybe it's with some neighbors this week. It's with family. It's at the grocery store. A friend who's in need. Someone who's been on your heart and mind. It's all of our responsibility. You with me so far? Church, amen? Here's the reality. The reality is this. That 
41% of those associated with mainline churches, um, with mainline churches, have never shared their faith with anyone. Almost half. Uh, 90% of profession Christians have uh, never led a, a person to Christ. And you guys ask yourself, why? Why is that the case? I think part of it's because we, we push the responsibility onto somebody else. You know, it's like that's a church's job. But follow me if this is maybe, maybe you. You get it. You know that your, your neighbor needs Jesus. You know that your, neighbor, your coworkers need Jesus. And, and if you're in here and you do not yet know Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. And then you're going to go with the burden to tell the people about Jesus. So you know it, but you've got a lot of obstacles. Come on. Like a lot of excuses that come up to your mind when you think about this uh, responsibility that's get, been given to you by Jesus. And so I want to help you today um, work through, in the time that we have left, in the few minutes we have left, is work through those obstacles so that you can actually step into enjoying this. I mean, there's nothing better than watching God use your life to change the life of somebody else. I'm telling you, you haven't been to church until you brought someone to church. There's something different when you've brought someone you've been praying for to church. All of a sudden, you're experiencing church in a whole new way. Some of you are like, I don't know why pastors every week says, God loves you where you are. And he loves you every week. He says it every week. And you think like that until you bring someone to church. And you're like, say that thing, Chris, that thing that you say, BC. Tell them that, right? It all changes when you, when you bring someone. And I want you to live in that. So let me help you get, because get, we're going to, church, we're going to, church is flatline and stuff. We're going to grow in this. Summer. We're going to see a lot of people come to Jesus this summer. We're going to move into, into the fall with just revival in our wings, everybody. But it comes when all of us please lean into this. We got to do, we got to wake up slumber out of covid whatever. Come on. So let me help you. Come on, amen. Let me, let me give you some really practical things, okay? Because you're going to walk out of here with no excuses. All of us are all together. Ready? So what are the, what are the excuses? I don't have it all together yet. You know, I, I'm, I'm not where I should be. I, I don't have it all together, and it's really weird for me. I, not, they know I don't have it together. You see, every now and then at, at work, I, I, you know, I slip a little language there and there. And every now and then I, you know, I, and I don't know if I should be evangelizing because I don't have it all together yet. That's a bad excuse. God has not called perfect people to go preach the gospel. He's called hurting people, broken people, still working through it people to go and preach the gospel. You need to get rid of that excuse. If you're waiting to be perfect before you preach the gospel, it's never going to happen. Can I tell you something? I might, I might absolutely crush all of your, your views of me and what you've thought of me. But can I tell you something? I get up here every single Sunday and I preach the gospel to you and I share God's word with you. But I'm not perfect. Yeah, no, I know, Joe, it's like surprising, right? My wife was in here, she'd have an even better amen, right? And if, if I waited, if I, God, I'm not going to step behind that pulpit till I've got it all figured out, you would never see me. Hey, there wouldn't be a person in a pulpit in America right now if that was the case, right? But here's what God does is he calls broken people, growing people, living in the in people, to preach the gospel, you're qualified. Can I just tell you right now? You're qualified. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're qualified. Tell them, you're qualified. Like this is on you, okay? So that's first. That's first. Second, like you're, the gospel is not about you. <laughs> you're not preaching you. 
Some people think the gospel and to be able to preach the gospel, what it, what it means is I give my life to Jesus, now I live a perfect and pretty life, and they see my perfect and pretty life, and they want to come to know Jesus. And you're going, I don't have a perfect and pretty life. It's not about your perfect and pretty life. And some people actually think that. They've diminished the gospel to being, you know, I've, I've, it's, it's, I've given my life to Jesus, and now it's all working perfectly. I've got it all together. No, this, guys, it's, we're still walking through mess, but we're now rising above it because we have the one who's anchored us and the one who causes us to walk on the very storms that once were threatening us. See, the difference between my life and your life, friend, who do not yet know Jesus, is although we're in the same storm, you're drowning in it, and I'm walking on it, right? Because God is, does that make sense? So the gospel is not, I have a perfect and pretty life. The gospel is, not about me. The gospel is not that I've got it all together. It's I know the one who does have it all together. And I know the one who can help you move toward getting it all together. Would you let me introduce him to you? Yeah, but your life's not perfect because I'm on that same journey. But guess what? I'm on a journey. I'm not just stuck in the cul-de-sac that you find yourself stuck in. And, and Jesus wants to help lead you forward. And so friends, excuses off the table. I don't have it all together yet. Neither do I. Welcome to the party, okay? We're all there. Because I know, right now, this week, every one of you, you're going to tell somebody, you're in some way going to evangelize this week. I know you're nervous, but you're going to do it this week. You're going to find a way to let God use your life this week, and I promise you, you're going to thank me next week. Okay? So, excuse one is off the table, okay? Uh, here's the next next excuse we, we, we tell us. I, I don't know enough. Well, I don't know. Like, what if, they, what if they ask me something, and I don't know the answer to that something? It's okay. It's okay. Listen, let's work through that. Someone might say, you know, ask me something I don't know the answer to. Here's what I want to say to you. Just stick with what you know. Start with what you know. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 25, I love this. Um, there's this man who's been healed. Uh, he was blind, now he can see. And everyone's freaking out. The, the uh, religious Pharisees are like, I can't believe Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they're all so mad. And so they come to this guy, and they're like, you know, this Jesus that you say healed you, he's a sinner. And they're trying to say all these things about Jesus, right? This big theological debate is trying to happen, and he's supposed to answer, well, actually, no, in the Old Testament, it's actually tell, like, right? And that's what you would think this guy would do because the, these religious people who know God's words supposedly are coming at him. And, and here's what this guy says when they try to get in this big theological debate. Here's what the guy says, uh, whether he's a son or not, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, one thing I do know, I once was blind and now I see, right? Like, here's what I know, here's what I know. I once was like this and now I'm like that. Oh, yeah, you want to talk monkeys, not monkeys, this, that. I, here's what I know. I can see, right? And you can't question that. The guy's eyes are open. There's something different. And see, friends, you just start with what you know. So what do you know? What has he done in your life? <laughs> I love this story. We, we would uh, go, we took a group of um, kids up to the camp. Another plug for surf camp, for camp, for any camp, for summer camp. We took a bunch of kids to summer camp, Tate and I, and one of the things we did is we took all the kids out, uh, evangelized, street witnessing. Because I, I, I grew up, I love street witnessing. I, I would always try to 
look for ways to share the gospel with just random strangers. I know that's not for everybody, but I love it. And um, she's looking for opportunities. And so we were teaching kids how to do this. And this girl, super nervous, just had given her life to the Lord like two weeks before. We have her out with people uh, in a little group out sharing. And this, this um, professor comes and starts talking with this girl. She's brand new, young. I'm talking like 14, 15 years old professor teaching at a college, right? And he's going rah and just coming, attacking her faith. And how can he, he's going into, he's going to all these, you know, he's looking at evolution and can you, on this little, on this girl, every time, I just stand there watching this whole thing. Every time she goes, yeah, but, um, but the Bible says that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he would go, oh, he's bad. And it went on for like 35, 40 minutes. And this little girl, but the Bible says, God so loved the world. Right? And um, next day, guy leaves. He's frustrated. He's all angry. He comes back. And he finds us because we're, we're staying, the, staying the night in the camp. He says, hey, can I, can, I, can I talk to you? He comes to me because he saw me standing there with this girl. He goes, I couldn't sleep last night. I said, oh, oh, yeah, tell me more about it. He goes, for God so loved the world that he gave his, right, his only begotten son. And we got to lead that man to Christ right there. This girl, come on. It's not about, it's not about what, if you, what you don't know. You take what you do know. Like, listen, the word of God is, is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. You just let it out of its cage. There's power in the word of God. Like, just share what you know. Share your testimony. Share, share God's word with them, friends. So listen, I don't know enough. Excuse gone. Okay? You with me so far? What other excuse are you standing on right now? Uh, I don't know where to start. Okay, let me spend some time talking about this. Here's what we're going to do this week, all of us. We'll go through this process, right? First things first. Let them know you're a Christian. Those of you that are believers in here today, let me talk to you. One of the most important things you could do is to let others know that you are a believer, okay? A large percentage of Christians have not yet even let others know that they're a Christian, okay? Baptism is all about what? Going public with your faith, and it's not meant to stop at baptism. That going public with your faith in baptism is meant to carry with you going public with your faith at work, going public with your faith in line at the grocery store, going public with your, right? It's meant to be a life lived public. We're not supposed to talk about, about religion. Oh, yes, you are. You, you tell people about Jesus, okay? You're public with your your, your, your faith. Um, we love to talk about the things we value, right? I mean, if you've been around citizens at all, you will hear me talk about the fact that I married up big time, right? Like, I got an amazing woman, an amazing wife. I don't deserve her. I, I, I pursued her relentlessly, and for some reason that's still unbeknownst to me, God just moved in a miraculous way to get this woman to actually agree to marry me, right? So big time moved up. Like I'm, I, and, and can I tell you something? I'm so proud. Of, I'm proud of my wife. I, I, I show that off. Like I, I don't want you to meet me. Like you don't know me. I really genuinely feel this way. You don't know me until you've met my wife. Like and so when I go places, I'm at a conference or something, I hate being by myself. 
Because I just feel like all you know, you know about 20% of who I am right now. You meet my wife and you'd be like, oh, dang, boy. Right? That's how I feel. And I, I'm always, I'll talk about my wife and the drop of it. I love letting people know about my wife. Did you see my wife preached that? Did you see her? She preached that at Mother's Day. Did you hear the message? You didn't get the message? Let me drop you a, let me drop you a link really quick. You got to listen to that girl. Like, I'm just, I love to talk about my wife. Why? Because, friends, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with my wife. I value her. I'm going to talk about her. You talk about the things you value. It's no different than your relationship with Jesus. If you value Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. His name will be on your lips. Most of us move through a day at work trying to find a way to get out of the conversation without having to mention the name Jesus or let them know you go to church. Can I tell you? Flip it. Find a way in your conversation to let them know that you go to church. Find a way in the conversation to let them know that you're walking with Jesus. Look for the opportunity. Don't run from it. And because you value Jesus, you put that conversation about Jesus in the forefront of your conversations. Don't run from it. When a girl gets engaged and she got that big old diamond ring on her finger, except for in my wife's case, she has three little bitty diamonds because that's all I could afford when we got married and she doesn't want to change it. So when a girl gets engaged, she doesn't walk around kind of hiding it, ashamed of it. No, it's quite the opposite. You can't get them to calm down about, did you see, did you see, did you, like everywhere. They, they, they start talking to you like, like, you know, like this. Like, they just want you to know, just, just ask me. I tell you, ask me about my man, right? That's, that's how these that's how you behave when you get engaged, girls. And it needs to be the same thing. Give your life to Jesus. Like, I, just ask me. I did, like, there's something. Do you see something shining? Do you see something shining? Ask me about it, right? And, and that needs to be the posture in our, in our hearts. So first things first, how, where do you start? Do the people in your circle right now actually know that you're a, you're a churchgoer, that you're a Jesus lover? If not, that's going to be your first step this week. You're going to work that into a conversation. You're going to be like, you're going to go out to lunch with your friends and they're talking about, what you do this week? What you do this weekend? This, I know you went golfing this weekend and I know you did this this weekend and I know you went to the beach this weekend, but you tell them, I went to church this weekend. Hey, and you should come with me next weekend, right? Work it into a conversation. You've got to let people know you live this out in public. Everyone got, everyone with me so far, amen? Here's another place to start. Just ask people questions. Some people think evangelism is shoving scripture down people's throats shoving the shoving you know your beliefs down people's that's not evangelism some people think of evangelism they picture a guy on the street corner with a megaphone yelling at everybody that's not evangelism evangelism is conversation get in conversation with people people don't care what you know until they know that you care let people know you care hear their story and 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 look for ways to interject truth into the conversation that you're having with people to point them back to Jesus. The Bible tells us that Paul reasoned with people in the synagogue, okay, from the scriptures. That word reason there, it means he batted ideas back and forth. Hey, what do you believe? What are your spiritual beliefs? Why is it? Why do you believe that? Well, hey, you know, actually, I, I believe in this is what the Bible says. What do you think about what the Bible says? It means batting ideas back and forth. Go bat some ideas back and forth with your friends. What if they ask me something I don't know? Hey, stick to what you do know. And what you don't know, we'll figure it out during the week. I grew so much street evangelizing because people would ask me wild questions. I'd be like, let me get back to you. Where are you going to be next week? It's, it's important. You've got to start batting those ideas back, back and forth. I touched on this already, but here's another place to start. Is you share your story. Just share your story. Like, 
you've got one for, and it's, and it's a testimony to, to God. Share your story. Learn to share your story. Where were you before you came to Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus? And where are you at now that you have come to know Jesus? Just share your story. I once was blind and now I see. That's all you're going to need, okay? So the last one is this. Invite him to church. This is on all of us, everybody. Like, nothing's going to change in our climate until we, as a people, commit ourselves to evangelizing, to not holding on to the truth, not putting a light, putting a bushel over our light, hide it under a bushel. Oh, right, good. Some of you grew up in church, right? The rest of you are like, that was weird. Okay, no, it's just a song we sing in church. It won't happen until we take that bushel off. We let the light shine. And a big old part of that, everybody, is just inviting people to get around the things of Jesus. Like even the disciples, before they knew all the theology and all this and what I'm supposed to say, all this, hey, come and see. It was a come and see ministry. Like, well, what about this? What? Just come and see. And there's things that will happen in this environment that won't happen in any other environment. You just invite people to get around the things of Jesus. 82% of unchurched would at least consider attending church if they were invited. 73% of people who don't attend church say that they have simply never been invited. See, we, never, we must never underestimate the power of just an invitation. Let me teach you how to do that, because you're going to do it this week. It's not just, hey, you know, first I let them know I'm a Christian, I go to church. Maybe this is a really good way for you to do this. Hey, you've been hanging out at lunch with a coworker. Hey, you should come to church with me. And here's what we want to do. You should come to church with me someday, day, day, day. And that's what we do, right? Like, it's just someday, day, day. And that's that kind of this date floating out there in space. Hey, don't do that. Say, you should come with me to, you should come with me to church next weekend. And they're like, really? Wait, that's, you get, it's so much fun. You know, the, 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 the music's incredible. And Pastor Chris is funny from time to time. He's kind of engaging. You know, you're just gonna, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best, okay? I'll do my best. Right, pray for me. And you just invite them out. First thing they're going to do is going to go in. They're going to jump on our Instagram. And, oh, this place actually, they, they look friendly and loving and caring. And then they're going to walk in here and go, they are friendly and loving and caring. I mean, Christians aren't as weird as I thought they were. They're weird, but not as weird as I thought they were, right? And then they're going to sit in these moments. And they're going to hear the gospel preached. And Jesus is, by his spirit, going to grab somebody's heart. And eyes will be opened. And lives will be changed. You'll do your part, and I'll do my part, and God, he'll do his part. Amen? Come on, church, amen? So God is going to bring revival, and it rides on the wave of the church, waking up, waking up, and, and disciplining ourselves toward evangelism. I think evangelism. I don't think that's somebody else's job. I think evangelism. Hey, you're not standing in, uh, nothing this week is going to be on accident. Look, I'm telling you right now, nothing this week is on accident. You're not in line with that person behind you saying what they're saying that you overheard on accident, okay? You're not, you're not sitting next to that coworker on accident this week. You're not going to that school where I'm those people in that, you know, summer school, whatever you had, on accident this week. Like, none of it's on accident. God puts something in you they need and so now he's put you in that sphere of influence on purpose to be a light guys let it shine in jesus name
There's no excuses. We're all in this together. Can I get a better amen? Come on, church, amen.